God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Yes, you are. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. And you're listening to us. We are The God Whisperers. The manly doctors of divinity. That's right. Today in studio, also (laughs) known as my kitchen table, is the doctor, Adam Francisco. You bet. Uh, who will be talking to us about Islam. He is the foremost leading expert in the Missouri Synod on... Boy, that stopped. Is he foremost? I, I think he's about the only expert we've got on Islam, isn't he? Yeah. Do you, we, got that, you got that call to prayer going? I do. You want to hear uh, that? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, we, got to, we still have to set the tone. Well, okay. The mood. While you're looking for that, godwhispers.com or .org, godwhispers at gmail.com. And we have viewer. We have a couple of viewer emails I want to get to before we talk to Adam, if that's okay. Is that okay? Manly Doctors, 13, 626 for the God Whispers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Adam is now reaching for his sidearm. We... we, we, we we also have in the living room uh, our friend Steve, who is uh, unrolling his prayer rug at the moment. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, I am wearing proudly today my infidel shirt, and Adam Which has says verified that the Arabic, fried goat on falafel. Arabic underneath does say fried goat, so that's it, we're made to believe that it says infidel, but it actually no. It, it says what does it say? Kafir. Kafir. Yeah. Kafir. One who covers the truth. Yes. You. That's me. Infidel. Now, we're listening to this. Now, Manly those doc- of you who are listening to this at home, if your eyes are not watering, you're doing it wrong. My nose is running. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Because Adam was saying that according to the Quran. Why don't you, let, according to the Quran? Why don't you let Adam say it? Why Chap- don't you say it? I think it's chapter 5, verse 82. Talk into the mic. There. Chapter 5, <laughs> verse 82 and 83 say when the Quran is recited in Arabic, Christians and Jews will or Christians in particular, their eyes will well up with tears because they'll recognize the truth therein. I'm feeling a little gas bubble. Well, I don't know. You're, I mean, your eyes don't look too good right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's because I've had an operation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Wait, man, that changes everything there. I, I thought for a minute, uh, I was getting a little nervous. Hey, our, president, <laughs> you know? our president says this is one of the most beautiful sounds he's ever heard. <laughs> But he is a Christian. <laughs> you know. He's made that very clear. I, don't, I just, you know. I don't understand a word of it You myself. put this next to a mighty fortress, and, you know, I mean, they just. They, they just <laughs> uh, yeah, turn that off. That, that's. Oh man, that's 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 a little bit more Middle East than I can handle, right? I've, I've got a I've got a real hankering for a falafel sandwich. <laughs> kind kind of does it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I don't know about the the tearing eyes, but but you know, or or at least some garlic naan. That's Indian, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Little. Hey, uh, while you're playing that, can I read a a piece of viewer email here? I I, I guess. <laughs> it seems to. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> the, 
They have pipe organs. <laughs> Two copyright infringements in one. All stand. Please <laughs> rise. Okay. Anyway, you go ahead and read the uh, email. We'll keep we'll keep a little Einfestaburg down from <laughs> to, to cleanse the palate, as it were. From Chris, I feel like I just had a poop sandwich. <laughs> For, from Chris, the latecomer in the tulip. Uh, remember the tulip. Um, Tiny Tim. Yes. We can play some no, of that, No, please too. don't. Please don't. <laughs> Hi, guys. That's us. Oh. Guys. Okay. We're the guys. That's I, Reverend Guys to you, pal. <laughs> doctor, at least. Manly doctor. Manly. Hi, guys. I know I'm late to the topic in terms of the show's schedule, but I just listened to the two episodes on my commutes to and from school on the advice of a Lutheran friend of mine. That's no oh. friend. <laughs> First, the first thing I need to say is catch up on your episodes, dude. Come on. And make new friends. Yeah. <laughs> you need some different friends. <laughs> of course. Of course what? I had point-by-point questions, comments, and snide remarks that I wanted to interject as I listened. Well, did he? I don't know. I hope he did. Well, but this email would be really long if I rehearsed them all. Oh, and we wouldn't be reading them on the air, or we would be playing it with that synthetic voice that sounds like Doug the dog. Or with Mighty Fortress in the background. <laughs> I'm liking that. So I'll just ask you if you've read Rick Ritchie's great essay, A Lutheran Response to Arminianism in Modern Reformation Magazine. No. Have you? No. Neither have I. But Rick's a good friend of ours. I've never read anything he wrote, though. We like Rick. Does he write? He does. He writes very What's well. What's Modern Reformation? That, Should I be aware of that? That's, wait uh, a minute. I've written for that. Wait, I think I think that's... Uh, they pay better than CPH. <laughs> <laughs> As Adam will tell you, I mean, you know... You know, you if get, we were in this for the bucks, we, we should have gone uh, either Presbyterian or Episcopalian. Heck yeah. But Lutherans, we don't make the bucks. Well, no, we either. couldn't make it in Episcopalianism because, you know, the only sin left in that church is bad taste. That's true. And we reek a bad taste. Um, so, for one thing... Chris writes, as a Calvinist, see, there's a warning sign right there. When somebody writes, as a Calvinist, when they, when they own it, you got trouble right there. I'm but, leaving. <laughs> Who, for a number of reasons, is being tempted to Lutheranism. Dude, just go, okay? You get to listen to music like this all the time. We sing a mighty fortress this, every Sunday. Is this Henry? <laughs> Could be Henry. Is the organ screaming for mercy? Oh, man. Now I'm screaming for mercy. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. I was disappointed that you went to the Calvinist Corner blog instead of the canons of Dort themselves. Yeah. Dude, Calvinism's Calvinism. I mean, I don't care where you get it from. You know, limited atonement's still wrong. Simple as that. So world means world and is means is. How much much clearer can it get? Yeah, there you are. Well, let me rephrase that. Ponta means it is very difficult to find contemporary Calvinists who do justice to the canons of Dort. You know, there's a good reason for that, because nobody in their right mind would want to. (laughs) And part of the problem is that some Baptists want to call themselves Reformed. Yeah, we have that problem with Lutherans, too. (laughs) You are. (laughs) (laughs) But the ethos, pathos, epistemology, etc. You know he's a Calvinist. I, I love using the big words. ethos, pathos, and epistemology. Adam can tell us what those words mean in a bit. Of the Reformed and general particular Baptist is quite different. Same with hard shell Baptist. I, I actually know a hard shell Baptist. Is it? Do, do they dip them in chocolate? Is that? 
Is well, it that hard he, shell? Yeah, when, when they get a little crazy on Friday night. For another thing, in light of Rick, Rick Ritchie's brilliance, Rick Ritchie's brilliant. Wow, wow. I hope Rick's listening because I know. I you know, know what? I hope he's not because he's not going to be able to get his head outside of a <laughs> through a doorway. Well, he's got one fan. Um, I, I think. I think it would have been. Maybe even more interesting for you guys to analyze the original, historically prior, five points of the Armenian remonstrance first, and then interact with the Reformed. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I I continue. (laughs) Let's see. You may and probably will still disagree with them at some points, but I think that understanding their motivations and differences will shed some light on the five points. The road to hell is paved with good motivation, son. (laughs) That's that's probably true. I mean, you know, we didn't do justice to the historical background of five-point Calvinism. We just played Tiny Tim and copped a website. (laughs) This is the God Whispers. This is not a Calvinist program. I know. That's right. Keep in mind that the Synod of was an international synod that included more than mean, nasty, reformed, and Presbyterians who eat small children for dinner. See, there, it comes out now in print. So they've owning it. they're owning it. Presbyterians eat small children. They eat small children, just like Joel Osteen says of, of pigs. Well, many of our confessional brethren eat their own children. And, and here's the clincher. There were Anglicans present, too. Since when does that conclude anything? There were Anglicans present. Is he trying to prove something by saying that? Or or disprove something by saying that? that? That's a little bit like saying, you know, there there were Packers fans present. There were, were, you know, I don't know, Anglicans. What were they doing there? You know, I know what they were doing there. The Synod of Dort was serving some really good sherry, and they were were there for the sherry hour. I'm thinking there must have been a fashion show afterwards. Have Have you ever been to, like, an Anglican church for, like, one of their potlucks? No. Suckers catered oh, with yeah. an open bar. Well, they got the bank. They got they got, yeah, they got, they got open bank. bar. I went to a, I went to Evensong at some some uh some uh, you know really trendy uh uh Episcopal church in Los Angeles and they had an open bar. Rufus is getting worked up at a cat. No, it's cash only it wasn't open. Oh. Cash only bar. You had to pay for your own? Yeah. Tea. Instead of those big urns of really bad triple brewed coffee like we Lutherans get, they had a really nice Darjeeling tea. Wow. And scones. These serve it with clotted now, cream. Now, uh, there, Adam, see, my eyes welled up with tears there. I, <laughs> my feet doth well nigh slip when I had high tea with the Episcopalians. Wow. Mm. All right. That's enough. some pretty highfalutin talk in there. Chris says, just my two cents. I'd give him about a cent and a half on that. Thanks for a great podcast. And you know what? Limited atonement, still wrong. Chris, we love you. Keep listening. That's right. (laughs) Make the jump. Go Lutheran. You know, I I hate to say it, but I just don't see that he's elect. That's that's all that I can say. I think he's elect to Lutheranism, and he's fighting it. That's all that I say to any Calvinist, is I just don't think you're elect. That, that, that you tug, are the seed that took root for a no, while, no. and when persecution came, you will run away. That tug to Lutheranism, there's the evidence of your election. The tug to Lutheranism. When you want to become a Lutheran, that's solid evidence you're elect. Mm. There you go. I, I'll go with that. Because we know that in heaven, they're all Lutheran. Adam's bored. <laughs> not, not, that, not that only Lutherans go to heaven, but in heaven, they're all Lutheran. They finally realize... Should we, should we talk about the Islamic Let's infidelity? talk about Islam with Adam Francisco. Um, 
good to have you with us. Thanks for sitting in wait, Craig's wait, wait. kitchen. If you have an extra $300 burning a hole in your wallet, <laughs> what? You, you can buy Adam's book, Martin oh, yeah. Luther and Islam, which is his dissertation, basically. And uh, they will publish it as you order it, I'm sure. And charge he, you uh, ungodly. You can mortgage your house <laughs> and buy it. I'm, I'm thinking. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you get any sales on that? No. Not yet. You're Not still yet. waiting. Yeah. Do you own a copy? I actually gave away my last copy <laughs> inadvertently. <laughs> and I can't afford a new one. Get a little he, closer to the mic. He there, can't Mike. afford uh, his own copy of his own book. That's the way it works. I mean, there is nothing in theology. You know, but, but you do have it on like Rick Warren uh, can write Word or, or yeah, PDF. I've got or a PDF of it. Yeah, hit print. Yeah. Rick Warren can write the purpose driven anything and make millions. Adam Francisco analyzes the depths of Luther and Islam, and, and he's living in abject and poverty. And he pays for it. <laughs> He, he pays for and it. And he basically. pays for it. Yeah. And he gave away his last <clears throat> copy of the book. Not to mention all that uh, a true theology to Oxford University and, and all that good stuff. This is a true theology of the cross, my friends, right here. You know, if you would have, if you would have titled it Purpose Driven Islam, <laughs> that's it. The Purpose Driven Quran. Adam, give us, a, give us Islam 101. Tell us about, tell, what do we need wait, to wait. know about this religion? <laughs> Boy, uh, what do we know? Need to know about Islam? Oh, we got what um, four hundred pages of Lutheranism yeah, one hundred and one. So quick, we only have fifteen minutes. Okay. Left Islam one hundred and one. It's all yours. <laughs> I'll tell it like a narrative. Ah, wow, story. The Quran is a, a narrative in a way. It's not chronologically put together, but uh, Muslim certain Muslim or Islam certainly fits within the category of theism. Uh, they believe that there's one God who's existed for all eternity. He's one in essence and one in person, uh, who at one point in time decided to create. And he created, he created the heavens and the earth, uh, seven layers to heaven. And in one of these layers, he created Adam and also Eve. They believe in six-day creation? They have d- those sort of parallel debates that we have. 24-hour days? Oh, yeah, they have those. Uh, they young, cr- young earth? Yep, yep. Cool. All right. They've, um, Good so far. <laughs> yeah, the Quran says the Earth was created, or the universe was created over a couple days. One place it says two days, one place six days, and so they they have those sorts of uh, exegetical. Ah, uh, what's a day when you're creating, right? Exactly. Yeah, but uh, Adam and Eve are placed in paradise in the heavens, and they're told not to eat from a tree in the middle of the garden or in the middle of paradise, and they do, and Allah gets mad. And casts them out of paradise, sends them down to earth, and that's the fall in Islam. There's no fall into sin. Mm. Adam and Eve are forgiven of their sin, but they don't pass it on. There's no original sin whatsoever. Hmm. Um, So human beings, or all subsequent generations, are seen as uh, morally neutral, uh, maybe even righteous by nature. Uh, However, because of some of the... The epistemic problems that man has, or his, his ability to know and to know clearly what God's will is or God's law is, uh, a law dis- decided to, at some point, raise up a line of prophets. And uh, according to the Quran, prophethood begins with Adam, extends through or from Adam all the way to Muhammad. Uh, so and, there's this uh, unbroken chain, unbroken chain of, of prophets. Yeah, got it. There's okay. about. 24 named in the Quran, though Islamic tradition says there are about 124,000 prophets uh, between Adam and Muhammad's time. 
they all came to the different cultures, different communities with essentially the same theological message, that there is no God or nothing worthy of worship or attaching yourself to but God. Is that kind of like and, Mormonism at that point, where like Jesus comes to America and reveals himself to the Native Americans? And, uh, I don't know. Perhaps, I'm just, just saying. Don't, don't trouble yeah. the waters yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Although Joseph Smith is, uh, I think it's the Fawny Brody biography. The first one has Joseph Smith saying, I'm going to do for America what Muhammad did for Arabia. Holy mackerel. Oh, we have a, we have a call, incoming call. <laughs> Adam, just keep going here, and, uh, and uh, Craig's going to take care of some family business. And uh, <laughs> Okay. Oh, wait a minute. No, the machine just picked it up. Quality programming here. <laughs> anyway, there, there's this line of prophethood, and the prophets are all seen as... Uh, you know, they're messengers of God who bring guidance, as the Quran puts it, to uh, different people in different communities so that people will know how to live. And they'll have, if you will, principles uh, for, for life. They'll have a purpose in life. Their ethical behavior... <laughs> they're purpose-driven, uh, yes, as it were, yes. Will be, ...is clearly outlined in this guidance. Um, some of these prophets, four of them before Muhammad, are also seen as prophets who recorded a book, beginning with Abraham. Abraham and his scrolls, which have been lost. Apparently Mormonism's discovered them in the book of Abraham. <laughs> I never um, made this connection before, but... Uh, yeah. Well, after Abraham, you have Moses in the Torah, mm-hmm. mentioned throughout, or in, in many places in the Quran, and then you have David the Sa- in the Psalms, Jesus and the gospel in the singular, and then the fifth and the final prophet, the one who vouchsafes all the earlier revelation is Muhammad in the Quran. Now, theoretically, the message should be the same in all these books. It's not. And so the way they attribute the differences is they claim that earlier books, the Torah, the gospel, the Psalms, have been corrupted. Um, either the way they've been interpreted have been, has been corrupted or the actual text itself has been corrupted. Hence the need for Muhammad in the Quran. Now, I've, I've heard within the Quran that there's a hermeneutical principle that later trumps earlier. Yes. That's, there's, a, there's an inner Muslim debate over whether the Quran um, is seen as progressive revelation or contains progressive revelation or historical revelation from Adam to the Quran is, um, has progressively unfolded... Uh, and become more precise over time, trumping earlier stuff, perhaps. Um, yeah, the, the the reason that comes up is that that apparently early earlier sayings are much more uh, peaceful and irenic, and later yeah, sayings yeah. are much more militant and jihadic. Yeah, and so the the militants, the Islamicists, actually have a point if that hermeneutic principle is in play. That uh, later Muhammad, it's like later Luther, early Luther. You know, later Muhammad trumps early Muhammad, and later Muhammad is uh, bent on some uh, yeah, violence. Absolutely. You, if you go to the Quran, uh, chapter twenty nine forty six has Muhammad telling Muslims in Mecca where Muhammad gets his start, but is still not well received. So he's looking for as many friends or allies as he can get. He says to the few Muslims he's gathered around him that they're to take uh, or they're to tell Christians and Jews not to debate with Christians and Jews, but to take them as their friends because they all believe in the same God. Uh, but then you move to another place in the Quran, chapter 9 of the Quran, which is, even though it's in the front of the Quran, is seen by Muslims across the world as a later revelation. 
chapter 9, verse 29 says that uh, the people of the book are to be killed unless they're willing to submit to Islamic That would governance. be us. That would be us. Okay. So on the one and hand, so, they're your friends. On the other hand, kill them. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so Islamic tradition has friends. always said these later, these later passages trump or abrogate earlier ones. Now, uh, are, are the surahs, the, the chapters, are they laid out in like a chronological no. order or not? Um, no. So, so how do you determine what's early and what's late? It's tough. Uh, and Muslims themselves don't agree. It's, hmm. But the, the general rule is that the Quran was put together in order of the longest chapter or surah at the front, with the exception of one, chapter one, which is pretty short. Uh, and then they, if you go through the Quran, you'll see that towards the end, I think the la- chapter 114 has two verses in it. So it's just in descending order. Chronologically, though, it jumps all over the place. And their Quranic or Muslim scholars throughout history have uh, suggested orders and the order in which you're to read the Quran, but they never agreed. Mm. But they have agreed on one thing, that is that chapter 9 is very late in the in the the prophethood of Muhammad. And what's it's, that about? That's the that's the one kill chap- Yeah, that's the one so that's chapter the kill that chapter. doesn't start with the the this Mali um uh in the name of God the merciful the just. And it chapter 9 5 is the called the the verse of the sword. It says kill the mushrikun or the the non-Muslims, the unbelievers unless they submit or convert basically. That's a, a paraphrase and that, that verse alone is said in Islamic tradition to abrogate over 120 other verses. It's the definitive ruling on how Muslims are to view or approach non-Muslims. You know, this is one thing, and, and you kind of touched on it already, but I know when I'm, when I'm talking to a know-nothing, when they say, well, if you read the Quran in context, and, right. and you know, the reality is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's written like Proverbs, where it's a collection of sayings, Whereas the Bible, much of it is historical narrative, but the Quran doesn't really have a historical narrative. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, it, you know, there's, I get this argument all the time from Muslims that uh, you know, they say, you know, Quran chapter 9, 5, 9, 29, this call to, to kill non-Muslims unless they submit or embrace Islam, was only for that particular context. Uh, hmm. That's not historical Muslim opinion. So it's and like it, we would talk about uh, the Israelites in the wilderness and killing entire tribes and, yeah, and for cities a particular occasion right. to deal with a particular right. Instead of problem. it being a general, you know, this is what God's people yeah. do, and you must do this to be God's people. Is no, that happened there yeah. and then, but yeah. that's not a order. Yeah, and there's a Muslim tradition. This is not in the Quran, but a strong Muslim tradition that says Muhammad claimed that this jihad or this perpetual struggle remains uh, perpetual or remains a, uh, a guiding principle for the Muslim community until the day of judgment. Mm. Uh, jihad cannot be abrogated. Now, I've, I've read different interpretations of what jihad is. I mean, some, mm-hmm. some have spiritualized it. You know, it's your own personal struggle, your own personal spiritual journey. Yeah. Um, I've also seen where, no, it, it means, you know, essentially working to advance the kingdom. Yeah, it, by, by whatever yeah. whatever means you have at your disposal. Yes, that that's the classic understanding. There's a great book on this called Understanding Jihad by David Cook, mm-hmm. where he combs through all the literature throughout the centuries on jihad and comes to the conclusion that rarely and perhaps never do you find uh, authoritative Muslims claiming jihad is this internal struggle with sin or base desires. It's always construed as a 
as offensive and defensive warfare. Doesn't not necessarily by force of arms, but it could be polemics, it could be uh, politics or diplomacy, uh, those sorts of things. But historically, in the Quran and in the traditions and in uh, Muslim theological opinion through the centuries, it's construed as a way to advance the cause or expand the domain and influence of Islam. In uh, in Christian theology, uh, the scriptures are viewed as as the word of God, you know, given through men through the instrumentality of men in human language, but nonetheless fully the word of God. Uh, what's the what's the view of of a Muslim toward the Quran? The they view the Quran much like we would perhaps view well, not perhaps we we view Jesus, or perhaps even the, I've heard it been, uh, the Quran being compared to uh, the the sacrament of the altar. That the Quran is um, is God's eternal speech. It's the inscripturation of God's eternal word. Um, what's in the Quran, it, when it's recited properly, it's as if Allah is speaking for all eternity, or from all eternity. So, so interesting, whereas Muhammad is, is the last and greatest prophet, um, unlike Jesus, uh, whom we as Christians confess to be the word of God incarnate, the Quran is the word of God it's kind of in, 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 in physical bo- form, in, in a form that, mm-hmm. that's, that's apprehensible to us. And only in Arabic, right? Only in Arabic, yeah. The translations uh, are without effect, not to be trusted, no power, no mojo. Um, translations are guides, they're interpretations of the Quran, and Muslims use translations they have been since about the ninth century when they translated it into Persian so that Persian Muslims could understand it. Um, oftentimes what you'll encounter with Muslims is that they will, if you speak with them about the Quran, uh, to get out of the conversation, they'll say, well, have you read it in Arabic? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is and, like the Missouri and, Synod. Have well, you read I, it in German? Well, I know I use, it, I use that with parishioners all the time when I don't <laughs> want to talk to them. Is, have you read this passage in Greek? Or German. Yeah, well, German too, but, uh, you know. You know, in, in the Missouri Synod, you weren't even allowed to do theology in English until about 1920, so. But the, the only actual, the only actual Quran. The is, real is, Quran is, is the Arabic Quran. Arabic. Yeah. And it, when it comes to Muhammad, uh, it's the, near, or the, the way they view things is that the angel Gabriel brings Allah's word down and in a way causes Muhammad to speak those words. It's not that Muhammad was inspired in some way. It's it's almost like he opened up his mouth, and then Allah, through the medium of Gabriel, spoke directly. So Gabriel makes a cameo appearance here too. But but and it's, it's and this is like the oracles more. Mm-hmm. Than, yeah, yeah, very very. But rather rather than we have this kind of dual character of Scripture in, in Christian theology that it's both divine and human, kind mm-hmm. of like the two natures of Christ, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's both divine human word together. This this is strictly the divine word. Yeah, uh, channeled through Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I no. read a book a couple of years ago. Uh, I think Spencer. I'm not sure if that's who it is. The Truth About Muhammad. I think yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. And and he says that early on Muhammad was having these visions and so forth, and he thought he was demon possessed. Mm-hmm. And then finally, some pseudo Christian told him, "No, this is inspired yeah. by God." Is that is that true or? That's in the early or the first biography of Muhammad. Uh, really? When he starts hearing voices in a cave. Yeah. Uh, the angel Gabriel. Speaking to him, you know, um, he interprets this as perhaps demonic possession or the jinn of the de- not Bombay Sapphire, but the the genies of the <laughs> desert. Um, I, was about, I was about to pour drinks, <laughs> um, and so he goes home, according to the biography, and asks his wife what she thinks. 
And she tries to convince him that he's, being, he's been called to be a prophet. Then she calls up her Christian cousin, Waraka, from Ye- Yemen. Was it, he, he like an um, Aryan or something? An like historian. An historian, but okay. I think it's an invented uh, legend. <laughs> um, like St. Valentine, but that's another story. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for the first three years, the biography says Muhammad was not convinced. In fact, the Quran has a little episode where he's on the top of a mountain waiting to throw himself off. Because he's so tormented by these voices. Oh, Man, would could that have that have happened? <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to take a break, but we'll come back with the question: Was was Muhammad possessed? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Sheik William Swirla. Sheik William Swirla with us is Adam Francisco. I thought a little Hava Nagila might work out for some that, reason. That's, that's inflammatory, but little interesting. Dick Dale and the Deltones, a little Hava Nagila. Love those guys. Man, we should be eating bacon sandwiches. Hasidic rock and roll, baby. Anyway. <laughs> Munch, munching on a pork sausage. Disturbing yet compelling Christian Talking broadcast. Islam with Adam Francisco <laughs> at the third microphone we at left off Craig's with the question, kitchen table. Was Muhammad possessed? The answer is he thought so, well, but we, then he thought not. Actually, so. and, and, and with the thought, he should have jumped. So, have, have Could have saved us a lot of grief. Wow. But as it was, so we, 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 we've, we've got what we've got here. Um, have you had any fatwas issued against you yet, Adam? <laughs> no, I'm working on it. We're, we're, the, the God yeah. Whispers are going to have a fatwa. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking maybe we could get, uh, get bulk discounts on Kevlar uh, clothing or something. <laughs> yeah, well, there's going to be. Because we're bulletproof. There's going to be a problem but The at thing some is, point. you're assuming that any Anyone listens to this podcast, so that's <laughs> if there is a purgatory, this is it. <laughs> what can I say? Um, getting back to the Quran, we were, we were talking about its character and and whatnot. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that that when you read it, it it's it tends to kind of go verse by verse in sort of uh, this kind of semi poetic form. I would compare it to maybe the Book of Proverbs. Or some of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament seems to have a lot in common with that, uh, but it doesn't have the kind of narrative that we have in like the Gospels or the kind of rhetorical stuff that you see in the epistles. Is that is that, that kind of fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there are references. You find echoes of some of the Old Testament narrative thrown in here in there, um, but by and large, it is uh, it's just. Put, it seems like it was put together piecemeal, perhaps drawn from other sources. And in fact, there are some out there who say that... Q? They have a Q source? Well, they burned all Q's, of them, right? Multiple. What would that be? Quellen? Yeah, a uh, uh, multiple. Yeah, it'd be Quellen, yeah. Right. Didn't, didn't uh, they burn all the variant readings at one time? Yeah, yeah. right yeah. after the original... Or That's the a good move. Canonical. 
one was put together. Keeps that critical apparatus down to a minimum. You should also yeah. burn all those who are holding forth. The I thought you could. Oh, so yeah, well, <laughs> don't, don't go to the burning thing, okay? That creates problems right there. Calvinists would like that. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, one of the problems when you have sort of disjointed, uh, just kind of this hodgepodge collection kind of thing, kind of reads like the Gospel of Thomas, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and so there's not, nothing linking it together. And, and also it's poetic is you, you sometimes don't, you can't tell whether the thing is speaking about the historic situation is, or is meant to apply for all times and always. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, discussion about that within yeah. uh, Islamic circles mm-hmm. about how these, these surahs apply. Absolutely. Uh, the, the life of Muhammad was written for the purpose of figuring out how the Quran should be read so that you can know um, what is uh, universally uh, prescriptive uh, and what has been abrogated and what is uh, per, for a particular circumstance and what applies to all of life and all circumstances as well. So that's a, a long, protracted debate in the Muslim world, but... Is there, a, is there a corresponding tradition? You know, we have in the Christian, Christian circles, we have scripture and tradition. Uh, tradition is secondary, at least mm-hmm. in, in our view uh, of things. But is there, is there kind of a, a, a parallel sort of ongoing tradition? Yeah, absolutely. They have a, if you ask a Muslim what their, their, what their authorities are, they will say a traditional-minded Muslim, a Sunni, will most likely say the Quran and the Sunnah, the Quran and the traditions. Mm. And the Sunnah is largely... Is that the hadith, or is that well? The hadith different? part of it. It's basically stories, anecdotes uh, from the time of Muhammad, things he said and did that weren't necessarily from uh, under direct um, uh, revelation, revelation or, from yeah. God. But because he was a prophet, there you know, there to be his, that example, and those um, uh, ideas and teachings are to be taken as authoritative or binding as well, and so. The traditions, it, it, it accounts for a whole slew of literature. So you have the hadith, and you have multiple collections of hadith, which are just simply narratives about Muhammad's life and things he said. Uh, but the biography of Muhammad, um, there are all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of literature on the early wars in, in Islam as the Muslim state's expanding. That's seen as part of tradition. And that helps, those are largely help interpret the Quran and also fill in all the gray area that the Quran leaves behind in, in trying to devise uh, Islamic law and, and Islamic connect the Islamic beliefs in a system. Am I mistaken, but uh, I think it's in the Quran. It might be in the Hadith. It talk, no, it wouldn't be the Hadith. But talks about uh, Jesus as the prophet. Mm-hmm. But don't they also affirm his virgin birth and a few other yeah, miraculous... Yeah. But, but not so much with Muhammad. As a matter of fact, I think Muhammad made the statement that he wasn't even sure if he was going to end up in paradise or not. Is that correct, or am I mistaken on that? I don't know about that, but uh, Muhammad is born normally. Yeah. You know, born to his mother, Amina, as a result of the union between Amina and Muhammad's father. Um, Jesus is, re- in the Quran, taught to be virgin-born through mm-hmm. Mary, um, created in Mary's womb by the, by the Holy Spirit. Um, also, when Jesus is uh, young, he you know he performs miracles. He turns like you find in in some of the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, when he's young, he grabs a clay pigeon and to oh, yeah. sort of astound his right. peers, uh, he blows on it, and all of a sudden it becomes alive. You find those things in the Quran. You find Jesus predicting his his death. Uh, Quran nineteen thirty three. Blessed am I, 
on the day I was born, the day I will die, and the day I rise from the dead. Hmm. Yet Quran chapter 4 claims that Jesus was never crucified, nor was he killed. So, so you find contradictions, and, but also in the Quranic narrative, you also find parallels to biblical and other So they, uh, they would revere Jesus as a great prophet, but Certainly. probably bastardized through our scriptures, right? I mean, through, um, well, through, the, through the scriptures that, that have been handed down in the Christian church. Yeah, the, the New Testament, the Gospels in particular, they, most of them will tell you that things have been added in there. Anytime right. there's a reference to Jesus' deity or Jesus himself, like in the Gospel of Mark 14, when he's asked, are you the son of the most blessed? And Jesus says, I am. <laughs> That's all been added yeah. in. Okay. It's a, it, it's a theological So his addition. claims of divinity are added in, you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so here's what, here's what I'm coming down to in this whole question. I'm curious about this. If you make an image of Muhammad, a drawing, cartoon, whatever, uh, you know, people call for your death. What about Jesus? If you make images, I mean, if he's a great prophet of Allah, maybe not the greatest, but a great prophet, are there such prohibitions on all other prophets also? Yeah, in the Sunni world, absolutely. There's no, they're, for the most part, historically against any sort of uh, depiction of human beings at all. Oh, period. Um, that's changed, of course, but okay. you won't find many depictions of any of the prophets, Jesus, John the Baptist. Moses, etc. Yeah. Huh. yeah, and they see, they take, and the Quran teaches that all prophets are equal. Um, you know, Jesus, Muhammad, Moses, they're all seen as equal. It's just they're in a different historical circumstances. So, so they would have to, of course, say that, that Jesus' prediction of his own death and resurrection is one of those added babies, right? Cause, so uh, well, that, that they re- interpret that. They, oh, they'll say when he's referring to his death and then his resurrection, that refers to his death in the future after the res- day of uh, a judgment. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, yeah. oh, not a historic death and resurrection. Right. Okay. Yeah. If... if <laughs> it, I, I, I'm trying to put this into words. Certain Muslims, if they hear you blaspheming the name of Jesus, will they call for for action? Yeah, that, I don't know that they should. I mean, if he's one of their great prophets, they, it seems like if if you say, "Oh, Jesus Christ," I, I in think a they bad way, have, they'd say, "Okay, you have to." I don't die. know if they'd want to lop off your head for doing that, but I think maybe just I, cut out your tongue, or something <laughs> like that. I think they'd be. We'll find they'd out. Be irritated by that, but I, I ah. I've never heard of any pin you and whack your the bottom of your feet with sticks. so let, let's Maybe. quick quick jesus checklist here jesus uh son of god according to muslim no, no. absolutely no. Uh, um jesus savior of the world absolutely not. no uh, uh bodily died and rose from the no. dead no some would say he didn't actually die right most that's the tradition yeah, somebody majority. else died on the cross kind yeah. of big switcheroo mm-hmm. at the end yep. okay so uh so that's pretty that pretty much covers jesus uh from but born from, of a virgin and works miracles, and referred to as the word of Allah in uh, oh, the Quran. Actually, actually Matula, the word of God. Okay, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but 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 the Quran is is more word of God than Jesus, yeah. the word yeah. of God. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of uh, interesting. Just a quick side side thing. I heard somewhere. I probably saw it on, on the internet that that it is permissible in Islamic ethics to lie to a non-Muslim. Uh, especially when it comes to furthering uh, the, yeah. the the yeah. kingdom, so to speak, is that yeah. true? Yes, it's called takia. And there's, there's the, a name. There's a name for this. Yeah, this, this positive deception. We call it lying. Yes. So the, so now if they're say, if they're saying we're a, if they say we're a religion of peace, <laughs> they're lying. <laughs> well, <laughs> when they say it, Islam is a religion of peace, those who are part of the the, the tradition, they mean it. 
but it's a peace according to Islam. That is a peace where Islamic law is the law of the land. There's ah. Islamic governance. Um, and even if there are some people the book, Jews and Christians and maybe some others who live there, they still live under Islamic law. So the key and to so, peace is subjection to Allah and, and his will. Yeah. Submission yeah. to Allah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, what's the character of, of, uh, of Allah in, in Islamic thought? Oh, you could say so many things. I think the best way to define the way Allah has been seen uh, throughout Muslim theological discourse is a God of pure will. It's voluntarism. I mean, so- sovereign, he, sovereign, to he, the nth degree. To the nth degree, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. he's not, he doesn't constrain himself. When, if he reveals something, he does, he's not bound to what his promise is, if, if he's ever given promises. Oh, so he can lie, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. You, you know, we, we had a Calvinist wow. email... <laughs> and and I, I had on my Facebook about maybe three or four months ago a quote from the Quran, which was a serious double predestinarian kind of quote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I put on my Facebook, I said, Islam or Calvinism? Question <laughs> mark. And I put the quote. And there was a lot of debate going back and forth as to which it was, Calvinist or Islamic. So I'm... Mm. You know, and Calvin had a guy killed, you know, so that was good. There's a Lutheran uh, chaplain named Stefan Gerlach from the 16th century, 1574 or 73 to 1577, who went with the Habsburg ambassador to Istanbul. And while he was there, he met a man named Adam Neuser, who was a reformed preacher from Heidelberg who embraced Islam and because you can't be a Muslim in uh, you know, Christendom at that time. Uh, he ran to Istanbul. Ends up in Istanbul, and uh, Stefan Gerlach seeks him out and has a conversation, a bit of a debate with him. And uh, Neuser says something like, what you don't understand is that if I wasn't a Calvinist first, I wouldn't have ended up a Muslim. Wow. And there's a whole genre <laughs> wow. of literature in the late 16th century called Tur- Turco-Calvinism. This is a major polemical ploy that Lutherans and, and Roman Catholics or Jesuits in particular used. Holy poop, Batman! Man, what the heck! Uh, wow. So, is is there is there is is there that sense in in Islam of of uh, if if the will of Allah is supreme and he can even he can even deceive to uh, accomplish his will and whatnot, then then it's got to be sort of fatalistic. Whatever oh, is yeah. is the will of Allah. Mm-hmm. Allah be praised. Yes. If you speak with Muslims, you know the the typical evangelistic conversation people have with others. Uh, If you were to die tonight, would you be in paradise? Uh, If you ask a traditional-minded Muslim that question, they'll say, I don't know, and probably will go on and say, nor is it my concern. That my fate or my my destiny has already been sealed. It's in the hands of Allah. Allah be praised. I'm just here to be a good submitter to Allah. And uh, that's it. I'm I'm curious. Um, we we hear so much about moderate Islam versus radical Islam, yeah. and what so are forth. Those what, what, yeah. What what? <laughs> how does how does this play out? Is it is it like in Christianity where you just have liberal Christians and people who actually believe the Bible, or is it? You know, I mean. <laughs> What a loaded I mean, question that was. I mean, we have people like Swirla and then those who actually believe the Bible. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> <laughs> there are some parallels. The, the best distinction I've uh, read is um, by a man named Bassam Tibi, a Muslim scholar who lives in Europe now, who says there is Islamism and then there's Islam. 
Um, and he argues uh, that Islamism is not just a religious disposition or a religion, but it's a whole political, socio-political, cultural ideology. Um, but he says is, Islam is a privately held belief in a private or a, you know personal disposition. Um, historically, Islamism is what is Islam. Mm. Um, now, Muslim, you know, progressive, secular-minded Muslims like Osam Tibi are now trying to move away from that and try to inculcate a, more of an you know a Islam that's been tempered by Enlightenment type of ideas. They're going to have to uh, conjure up a doctrine of the two kingdoms here real quick. Well, he, he's actually a proponent of that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But, and so there are some <laughs> Muslims out there. Um, there's one at the uh, University of Virginia in Arlington, Ab- Abdulaziz Sahadina, who wrote a almost uh, laughable book or at least the title is, called uh, Islamic Roots of Democratic Pluralism. <laughs> where he argues that... The, Something oxymoronic about I'm just, that I'm just title. staring at you like, you, you, <laughs> what? you're speaking another language. That didn't make any sense. This is fascinating now. He, he argues that the, the first impulse towards a pluralistic environment or democratic environment was, were, were found in Mecca when Muhammad first begins to hear or receive these revelations. Um, and he'll go to Quran chapter 109, that often quoted verse uh, where Muhammad's approached by the coffers of, of, of uh, Mecca. And they ask him to tone down the religious rhetoric. And he says, you have your religion, I have mine, to me mine, to you yours. And so Sakadina's point is that this is a, a move towards a pluralistic existence. And uh, he says, that's Islam. Everything else you find in the, the Quran, the call to, to war and violence, uh, is stuff that was for particular circumstances. But as uh, soon as Muhammad died, as the Muslim state starts growing, it's absorbed into an ideological or create or built into an ideological system. Hmm. And he says that system's been around for centuries now, but it's time to, and he'll use the term, deconstruct it, and in its place, reconstruct a, an Islam more commensurate with the 21st now, century. I, I know that... A postmodern Islam, as he puts it. Okay. In, in the Middle Ages, there was a big boom in, in academia and the Islamic world. Uh, uh, medicine had accelerated well beyond the Western world, that uh, astronomy and astrology had uh, accelerated. This guy <laughs> created this big... Um, device to tell exactly how long a year is and i about a thousand years ago and he was uh within i think about five or ten minutes of what we know today as as a total year you know and mm. uh but i also know that that guy was chased off and finally beheaded by radical islam or or should i say fundamental islam or it's called islam islam mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the point was made that a lot of these advances that were made in islamic regions were also quashed by uh, by the true believers, as it were. Yeah, there was a time where uh, rationality prevailed, but it was very briefly, or very brief, uh, in the ninth century. Um, and it was the, the, the gates to independent inquiry uh, and rationality were closed very quickly. Um, and as one scholar puts it today, uh, Robert Riley, O'Reilly, in a book called The Closing of the Muslim Mind, back in the ninth century, things were already determined. Uh, a new way of looking at theology that says, um, you know, uh, that says only revelation can inform things. 
Not reason. Reason is push. You know, reason is not trustworthy in even just secular matters. It has to be revelation. Everything else is discounted. And once that was done, once the gates were closed in independent inquiry, that set the course for the Muslim world for later centuries. Um, now, the advancements of the Muslim world. I don't know. There's there's one advance I know of that they made, and that was looking at and figuring out how the eye works. Hmm. Um, everything else is just simply redoing what the Greeks did. I, I was uh, I saw a documentary. I know how of course, not yeah. not reliable they yeah, are. You know, yeah. uh, it's interesting when I watch a History Channel when it's topics that I know about how full of garbage it is, and and then you know I watch stuff that I don't know about. And yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> you know that's just me being an idiot. But um, I, I guess they had surgical tools that were mm-hmm. much beyond what the Western world had. But then again, the Egyptians probably did also. So yeah. that doesn't really yeah. mean a whole lot. You know, and the, the um, you, you mentioned I mean, your, your doctoral work, and I was still, but maybe let's before that, uh, just just to get it out on the table, the, the sort of the basic tenets mm-hmm. of of Islam, yeah. you know, like right. if we were talk, if we we're going to kind of sketch out Christianity, we we kind of hit on some major key things that define what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Muslim? Yeah. There are five duties that every Muslim has to perform to be a good Muslim. Uh, the first is to confess the Shahada, the creed, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. The second is praying five times a day at prescribed times using prescribed formulas. Uh, the third is giving alms or alms to the poor, about 2.5% of your wealth to the poor or to the, if you have a Muslim state, give it to the state and they'll redistribute that wealth. I'm um, sure they wouldn't take a cut or anything. Of course not. No. Yeah. Governments never do. No. They seem um, to. I, I've just noticed that that's one of the big inroads that uh, these these Muslim organizations and, and that uh, make in communities is is relief welfare. for the poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- after welfare or giving alms, uh, the the fourth major pillar is uh, fasting during the month of Ramadan, the ninth month in the lunar calendar, for, for thirty days from sun up to sundown. They won't eat any food, take in any uh, liquids. Some of them are so extreme that they won't even um, they won't even swallow their spit. So you'll see them during the month of Ramadan spitting everywhere. Um, Note to self: <laughs> don't don't visit a Muslim nation during Ramadan. Well, yeah, they get very cranky. You know, I was well, in the, I was in the Muslim Republic known as United Kingdom. Um, <laughs> it was in Oxford for three years and. Uh, did a blindsided with that one <laughs> doing my um, Arabic during the month of Ramadan. And man, my tutors were cranky at yeah. that time. And I made the mistake of asking if they wanted coffee. Or, oh, gosh. Yeah. So the, you're just rubbing salt in the wound well, right there. You know, Frying the, bacon in the, the morning. Middle, the middle <laughs> finger of love is extended often. In early yeah. Days. D'Onofrio would just be, be you know, having a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich well, right there. Want it, some bacon? It eventually came to that. Every time I went to my tutorial or my lectures on Islamic theology, I'd stop at C.S. Lewis's old pub, <laughs> have a pint, and drink, eat a bacon sandwich. Oh, just, you know, yeah. Because I cleanse the palate, <laughs> little little cleansing of the palate. <laughs> anyway, after um, after fasting, the fifth pillar is that every every Muslim is to, if they're able to afford it and physically able to do it, make a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in their life. Oh yeah, the okay. Hajj. The, the Hajj. Hajj. I need I need to do a Hajj. Where would you go? St. Louis. Why? <laughs> it's the holy you've, city. You've done that Hajj many oh, yeah. times. I have. I, anyway, I would go no. to the Holy Cathedral of Ted Drews if I went there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. That's where mm-hmm. I go, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Hajj. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Do we get all five? We got all five. All five. Now, there yes. are five beliefs that every Muslim subscribes to that sort of parallel the duties. How much you, time do we those? have? We've got five minutes. Five, five uh, beliefs? Okay. Five quick. minutes. All right, here uh, we go. Belief in God and belief meaning trust and taking him as your ultimate allegiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, a belief in creation, both seen and unseen creation. So you've the visibles and the invisibles. Yes. All right. Um, belief in prophets and making no distinction amongst them. Um, and belief in books, Torah, Psalms, Gospel, holy and, books, and Quran, holy so, books. So that's yeah. why they that's, that's why they call us people the book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good thing. Maybe. 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 <laughs> and then what was that four? Except and during then, Ramadan. Yeah. <laughs> the, the last is belief in the last day. Oh, uh, uh, that there will be a day of judgment. Oh, okay. Yeah. So belief in a final judgment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And some will tack on a six. They'll call it the eternal de- decree mm-hmm. or the divine decree. That is your that every your fate and everything that happens has already been preordained or orchestrated by Allah. Now, doesn't one sect? I can't remember which one. Add to that jihad also. Uh, jihad is is par- jihad's the whole or thing. Would that be part of duty? You don't find it in the official or the canonical list, but the way most Muslim scholars will put it, the honest ones, is that jihad is just your disposition towards life. You're ah. constantly struggling to advance the cause and and make the cause of Islam prevail. So in a in a real way, not just a spiritual way necessarily. In a real way, first and foremost. Yeah. 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 Wow. Spiritual way can't there is a tradition that says there's a spiritual struggle. But it can only really be properly pursued if you live in an Islamic state. Mm. You know, that, that brings up a point. I had heard that uh, they're pretty much taught that when they live in a foreign land to live peaceably in that land until they can amass enough power <laughs> to take over, basically. Is is that where where is that is that in the Quran or in the Hadith or where it's, where would we find it's this? It's a later tradition. You find early on in is, Islam, um, as the state begins to um, become defined and grow, a tradition known as the CR tradition, which is usually translated international law, and the earliest one um, has all sorts of rules of engagement with the domain of war, the domain of the infidel, the domain outside of the domain of Islam. And um, there, it's all sorts of strategic advice, but it's seen as being revelatory in some sense. And hmm. so if you're outside of the domain of Islam, you're actually not supposed to be in the land of the infidel unless you're conducting business or you're there to help advance or further the cause of Islam. You're not supposed to reside there and, and, and consider yourself a, a, a citizen of you know, America or whatever country unless now, it's to engage in the struggle i'm curious about islam versus the nation of uh what is that the the the, the um you know the black movement and nation our, of islam nation of islam that's what i'm trying to think of gosh that's just uh, is that, that. that that that's what, not considered what, orthodox is, no islam. i mean is, is that uh, is that not heresy. really recognized <laughs> outright heresy yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so uh uh, Middle, Middle Eastern Muslim would not recognize that no, as, no, as being no. real Islam. No, there's you know they're into eight UFOs and things like that. The nation of Islam. <laughs> um, well, you they know, got Farrakhan. Yeah, is that, he's, is that he's, been, he's been taken up into UFOs a couple of times. Ah, really? uh, yeah, yeah. That explains a lot. Yeah, there must have been a lot of probing going on. Now, that's all I can figure. yeah, so that's just kind of piggybacked on the name and maybe a couple of tenants and stuff. Just uh, the the nation of Islam is 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 just. It, so a bastardized version of yeah, Islam. Yeah, they use the term just to draw on what they, the 
historical sympathies of African Americans. They they ah. taught that African Americans were historically Muslim. Uh, here's got it. Here's the revival. Uh, of it so in so yeah. So it's the African connection. Probably yeah. a good outlet for for being really angry. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, hmm. the devil. Hmm. We, we've you know, got, the, the, we've the, got about a minute and a half left. Yeah, so boy, that's not a lot. Where do we go with this? Well, we should probably do another hour is what we should do. But, um, you know, in, in our Lutheran confessions, uh, I've always found it curious that, that we mention, of course, the papacy as, as the, the Antichrist. But also the, the, the kingdom of Muhammad is referred to on the same terms and uh, that. And that's sometimes overlooked, uh, I think, by, by you know... Uh, Lutherans now, where our focus is always on the papacy, but the, mm-hmm. but it seems like the reformers also held this as being a a, a, a hostile movement to Christianity and something that is uh, considered a threat to Christianity. Yeah, you know, the introduction to the the Augsburg Confession, um, Melanchthon quotes, I believe, what Charles V said, or, or what Charles V allegedly said that uh, the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, was the therefore the the Mohammedan kingdom was the, or is the hereditary or most ancient enemy of Christendom. Hmm. Um, they see, Luther certainly saw that the, there was a perennial conflict between Islam and Christendom. Um, he, w- he interprets it largely as an apocalyptic struggle that he thinks shortly after he dies is, is going to bring about the end of the world. And, and he's, um, lo- he's looking at the Turks at, at, at the, the door of Vienna at that yeah, point. Yeah, 1529. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> What an, what an ending. The good news, the good news as always, though. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is we'll see you next time. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that. He's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. He taught me how to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise his name. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.